0: Back in the summer of 2015, when I first started to seriously work on this podcast, I had a goal of reaching 100 episodes. Since I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, that felt like a big, hairy, audacious goal. By the time I reached episode 100, I loved this medium, but almost gave up the show and started a new one. Fortunately, I stuck with this show, and today I'm recording episode 300. To help me mark this milestone, I've invited my friend, Blake Fly, to interview me. At his core, he believes that appreciation is rocket fuel to create lifelong business relationships, and he has built his career around this single idea. I interviewed him in episode 258. We always have a fun conversation, and I'm really looking forward to this. Blake, thanks for joining me from your place in Toronto. Where do you want to begin?
1: Robbie Samuels, I want to begin by introducing... Our guest today, (laughs) our featured voice, someone who goes by the name of Robbie Samuels. So allow me to introduce this individual. Today's guest is a multi-passionate entrepreneur, or what some would call a multi-hyphenate. In his case, this means he's a professional speaker, business growth strategy coach, virtual event design consultant, executive Zoom producer, MC, podcast host, author, virtual presentation skills trainer, and I'm likely leaving something out. He has been recognized as a networking expert by Harvard Business Review, Forbes and Inc. and as an industry expert in the field of digital event design by JDC Events. As a virtual event design consultant, He assists organizations with bringing their events strategically online with less stress and greater participant engagement. As a business growth strategy coach, he helps his clients discover likely prospects who already know, like, and trust them so they stop struggling to launch their offer. Since 2016, he has hosted the On The Schmooze podcast and since March 2020, a weekly No More Bad Zoom virtual happy hour. Please join me in welcoming all the way from his home in the Philadelphia suburbs, a TEDx speaker, an HBR contributor and Scrabble champion, at least in his own home, Robbie Samuels. Robbie
0: Samuels, clap for yourself. Crowd goes wild. (laughs) There we go. Oh my gosh. Wow, you know what's amazing is that's a lot and there are things that have been left out. (laughs) Thank you for bringing that all together. I imagine,
1: and before we really drop into this, what is one or two things that just stood out hearing your own bio that didn't exist back in episode one of On the Schmooze?
0: Oh, um, kind of all of that actually. I mean, <laughs> I had been speaking prior to the, prior to episode one. I had been speaking on the topic of networking at conferences uh, for about five years. And I had a a talk, my signature talk called Art of the Schmooze, but I didn't have, um, I mean, I launched a new web, I had a, I had a website, but I launched a new website after launching the podcast and um, yeah, the podcast, the TEDx being mentioned in various publications, HBR contributor, the books that I've written coaching programs, and then, of course, the new business that I ended up launching in the pandemic. I mean, clearly all that came after. But I really just, um, I had this desire. I had this talk that I was doing, and I left my, uh, I got the advice from our our mutual friend, Dory Clark, my, my friend and mentor, who said, you'll know it's time to quit your job when it gets in the way of your business. And that oh. time only came for me.
1: Well put. Well, here's what I love about what we're doing right now. For those tuning into this, this is literally us kind of pausing Robbie, on purpose because this is a key milestone. This is a checkpoint in like a lot of ambitious individuals, such as Robbie, Most of the time, people are just forward, 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 next, next. I'm at 300. Who cares? Let's get to 400. Everybody's in this forward gear. Whereas I want this conversation to serve as a moment in time where you get to look back And then also take some stock in this moment, and then also cast a bit of a vision for where we're headed next with this podcast project that began as a project and has basically become a pillar in your life, your business, and your relationship building. So take us back. Why did you begin this podcast? And you can't use the sentence that you already used in episode one, which according to research is, I'm beginning this because I'm excited about this medium as a way to share knowledge and strengthen my professional network. So congrats on doing both those things, but why'd you begin
0: back in your own words? You know, like I always tell people, judge me on my last three episodes, not my first three. And that's true for anything we, we learn and do. Like. My gosh, when you go back and listen to those first few interviews, it must be such a different experience than what I do today on this show. Um, but I had, been, um, I had been desiring to take my side hustle into something uh, like its own business for a while. And when I left my day job, I, at the same time, started to listen to podcasts. And one show in particular became sort of the focus of that, which was Smart Passive Income with Pat Flynn and such a genius, he has literally treated himself like a crash test dummy of all online entrepreneurship possibilities. And so I had a vision of being a speaker as my you know, primary you know, way of making money and sharing content with the world and adding value. And I got so many ideas from listening to this show um, that I started to, to get really distracted with lots of shiny objects around oh i could do this i do this do this and i had this moment where i had to like pause and be like okay (laughs) stop you're getting way off track and i realized the thing i should do is launch my own show like that was i had to pick something commit to it and so that was basically end of 2014 into sort of the end of q1 2015 and so then i spent a few months trying to figure out like what kind of show and what resources did I need and what I need to learn. And then I spent the summer uh, kind of getting it's getting all the pieces in place. And I did my first interviews that fall and I had my first child that December. And so the first episode doesn't come out until July of 2016. Um, and there are some episodes in in uh, spring, sorry, fall of 2016 that I'd interviewed a year earlier. <laughs> so these days, I don't try to have anything will be more than a couple of months, but yeah. um, that just sort of happened. You know, life happened and I was committed to this project, but I was spending half my life learning about parenting yeah, uh, and half my life you know, figuring out how to launch a podcast.
1: Well, I love how in the early episodes, you introduce yourself as a work from home dad who... Spends time playing with and feeding our seven-month toddler little one. And (laughs) I listened to that weeks ago while also listening to like an episode from five weeks ago. And it's wild because for me, it's just a moment in time. Okay, seven-month little one, and now we're five weeks ago. Whereas for you, that has spanned years. So just to catch up on the math for the listeners right now. How have you made the cadence of this podcast? And so how many years into this are you right now?
0: So I started doing the interviews in 2015. It launched July, 2016, and I committed to it being a weekly show. I release a new episode weekly, 50 times a year. I take off Christmas and New Year's. Um, two and weeks off. Oh. <laughs> take the two weeks <laughs> off. Um, and... There was a period of time for 13 weeks last summer where we reissued episodes from the previous five years uh, because I was focusing on my second book and I needed to kind of build some time into my schedule for that and give my team a break. But what was great was by then there was so much great archived content that we wanted to really make sure got seen by new people. So I was able to resurface 13 great interviews that summer. So my six year mark should have been July 2022 but for the 13 week sort of gap last summer but um here it is you know this is September when this will be released and and yes yeah, so 6 6 plus years of basically creating content weekly uh 50 times a year
1: now that's a great run that is a lot of years you're just getting warmed up by the sounds of it And what are some of the unexpected surprises that you've come to enjoy doing this podcast over the years? Because I know people imagine, oh, you get to meet great people and you can network and you can learn things. Those are sort of the obvious ones. But what are the Robbie Samuels unexpected surprises of 300 episodes so far?
0: One of the unexpected surprises is getting to know people that I already... Think I know, but getting to know them in such a deeper way. Um, you've been a guest, so you know that I dig. I ask deeper questions. I ask about yeah. your childhood, the beginnings of a career, challenges you face along the way. And so those conversations don't generally come up um, when you're just chatting with your friends, even over drinks. Like you don't usually get that deep. And I love getting to know people's why, their motivation you know, witnessing the challenges they face, the resilience they um had to keep going. Yeah. And that to me is this byproduct of the format that I stuck with, which is to be really curious about the person and their their entrepreneurial or leadership journey rather than it just being a platform for them to talk about their next book. So or how to do XYZ widgety thing. Like I I made a decision about what kind of um show it would be. And I feel really good about the format because it's helped me just get to know people in a different way. And what's cool about that is, even when I have guests on who have been interviewed dozens, if not hundreds of times, they always say that they ended up sharing something on my show that they haven't either ever shared or very rarely have shared in a public space. And that also makes it a more interesting interview for them as a guest. And it makes it more likely that they want to share this episode with their own network, because it's not the same story they've always said. It's something unique and different that gives their followers and fans a little glimpse into who they are. And so I feel good about the, um, kind of what has come from this format, which I wasn't expecting when I first started.
1: That's so fun to hear your reflection on, because I have two experiences just in being connected to your podcast that sort of link to that, which is firstly, when I was a guest, thank you for having me, we were recording and then we stopped recording and then I think we talked for two hours after the recording and we just kept talking and talking and talking. We, we knew each other a little bit by then already, but it just flew by. And so I loved that like after effect linger from the interview. And secondly, I recently listened to a podcast with a mutual friend of ours, someone who I'm pretty much certain is one of the coolest people I've met in this lifetime and that is Monica Lawrence and I listened to that episode while I was walking with my son and I know Monica pretty well yet I learned so many things about Monica for those who don't know Monica Lawrence check her out but Monica is the eldest grandchild of 25 grandchildren where she learned leadership how she discovered that oh I'm a leader and I love that you take people to those places because it adds so much color and depth to a listening experience for me and others as the listener. So for you, if we if we kind of treat this like you've got 300 songs almost, like you've got albums, you're you're a, a musician who's been touring for 300 episodes or, or concerts, what are some of the things that people don't realize have been, I guess, messy hilarious inspiring challenges about the actual build of it like I imagine at some point it was tricky because you have children or you're moving or the pandemic so what are some of the just messy behind the scenes things that listeners and fellow podcasters and creators might go this is fun to know
0: Well, I will tell you that when I first started this podcast, I was living on a college campus. My wife was the director of residence life. We were living in an apartment within a residential life building, so in a dorm, and we were on the ground floor, and right across from our door entrance was the main entrance to the building, and there was a tiny little, like, lobby area, I mean, like, six feet wide kind of thing. And a lot of times students would kind of congregate there as they were coming in and out, which was right outside where I was sitting. Like my right. desk was next to this front door and literally on the other side of the wall, other side of the door was a community of, you know, college students <laughs> hanging out. Right. The window behind me in this living room where my setup was faced a main, um, main street, like a, a very busy uh, street in Boston, Massachusetts that happened to be in the hospital district. So Simmons College, which is now Simmons University, is across the street from Beth Israel. And um, Beth Israel Hospital literally was across from our apartment building. Funny aside is when my second child was born, the room was looking down over our building and I noticed that there was a fire alarm. (laughs) <laughs> and I had to run back across the street while my wife was in labor to make sure my young my um oldest was fine with my dad and it was fine but that's how but but just imagine the chaos of buses cabs and of course lots of ambulances, lots of right. pedestrians, lots of right. traffic and loudness. so, so I had tranquil. to make a decision early on I purchased a very expensive mic setup which I got the idea from Pat Flynn and I saw a video where he tested out on this video, like five different mics and the most expensive, which is the one he uses is the one I ended up buying. And it was very complicated. It is not a plug and play USB. Yeah. It needs to be plugged into a thing that converts the thing that does the thing. And there's, so uh, I, it's not one I, I mean, it's only one person all these years that I've sort of said, yeah, this is a good choice for you. Cause they also have a sound issue. But um, most of the time I'm like, yeah, this is, this is way complicated, but I'm thrilled with the purchase because now I no longer have the same issues with my external environment. But if my kids came banging on my locked office door, which I finally have an office now, um, you wouldn't hear them. You wouldn't hear them at all. If someone's vacuuming outside the door, you wouldn't hear it at all. My kids having a tantrum as they're coming in. Like, so it served me very well to have this microphone that um if i turned the microphone away from me you wouldn't you like couldn't really hear what i was saying it's that sensitive uh, and that that's sort of behind the scenes <laughs> i had to make a deal with that the other thing i want to mention is that early on i was recording in my living room yeah. and i started interviewing people i didn't know very well and the cameras were on and i wanted the cameras to be on it was a rapport building but uh, for a while, I was cleaning the living room. My wife was thrilled when I would have guests because I had to clean the room. Then I started shoving things off the camera, like view. <laughs> and finally, I got this I don't even, it's called a dorm divider. It is a six foot wide accordion, six foot tall, six foot wide accordion piece of cardboard okay. that is self standing. It's self standing until your toddler comes by to lean on it. <laughs> So I definitely had some moments where the wall behind me would just come crashing down Um, (laughs) and I didn't decorate it. And it was sort of this kind of a white grayish color. And I had a fancy headphones on at the time. And so people really thought that I was in a podcast booth. That was the comment I got most often because I was in this sort of like little space with a fancy mic and a big ass headset. So Yeah. It's hilarious to me because
1: I don't know too many people who, as you share that story about living in a residence building with students, on the other side of the screen, in this case me, would go, oh yeah, I know. I also lived in residence buildings with thousands of students over the years. So I am right there with you, picturing that tiny lobby with students like age 17 to 20 chit-chatting about the day events, the night events, and then the sirens behind. So the fact that you began there and now you've moved several times your family has grown you've got a different setup i just love those little behind the scenes elements of a multi year journey creatively in this
0: case hitting episode 300 the thing i was craving the most back then was i wanted a bookshelf behind me you know like everyone's got the bookshelf you've got the bookshelf look right. yours is really cool with like you got guitars and cool little toys and stuff. But I just wanted the bookshelf. Like I just like, that was legit, you know? And I did finally get that in one of my moves, but then we moved here to the place we purchased and I finally had someone install a wood paneling on the wall, like this really cool reclaimed barnyard, um, reclaimed barn wood. Um, And so my background is is such a contrast from the cardboard motif to what I have today.
1: I like how you use the word motif with cardboard. I think that's important. Now, before we wrap up this looking back element and head into present day, is there anything you'd like to add as you think about times past episodes one to 300, sorry, episode zero, zero, zero to
0: 300. So I actually glad that you just mentioned episode zero, zero, zero. Um, from the very beginning, I had a three-digit episode, and that's because I had set an intention from the very beginning to reach 100.
1: It's like invoice numbers.
0: Well played. I, I wanted to have that. It was sort of a commitment in my head. I was going to get to the point where that, that first digit was not going to be a zero. And so, um, I I similarly talked about my first book as a first book before I had a second book out. <laughs> Um so I just I just think there's something about commitment like getting getting a goal in mind and then creating a plan and then consistency um moving towards that that to me is what got me through because I had read lots of stats I think the stat I heard uh, most recently was that um the average podcast lasts for 6 months or 12 episodes and if you start with 12 episodes already recorded like I did <laughs> you're going to surpass the average. <laughs> right? So I I had sort of built up this um, plan. And the first year, every other episode was me by myself for about eight minutes doing a solo show because at first I didn't have a plan for how I was going to acquire the right guests. And I wanted to bring enough of myself in to share my, my um, expertise and my knowledge. And I wasn't very comfortable doing that in the interview. I would actually say some wrap-up stuff. I would re-listen and then do a whole bunch of like takeaways and thoughts to each episode after each interview. And now I don't do that anymore because I'm much more likely to interject in the conversation to make a point. And it's just about kind of, again, how do you feel about something after you've done it the first five times versus the first uh, 250 times, right? So um, those are some things early on that got me started.
1: I also love the fact that we called out the zero, zero, zero because I didn't appreciate that. And I think it's really special to know that at episode zero, you purposely made it the three digits because in every single episode, you knew you were on path to the third digit being a one. And now here we are at episode 300 i just love those stories because to people they think oh it's just a way to organize Uh uh-uh this is robbie samuels casting a vision setting an intention and doing it in a way that is subtle and visible and known as you go so really cool throwback to the zero zero
0: zero the other thing i want to mention that i don't think i've ever talked about my opening i get comments on this all the time i always start with and you know people heard the beginning of this episode even like welcome to episode number blank yeah. Uh, on the schmooze, let's do this. And I always say, let's do this. And he's like, let's do this. That, I was trying to figure out like, what would the opening be? And Pat Flynn has a new opening every single time. He says something different. And then he has a voiceover guy who says something different every single time. I don't have a budget like that. <laughs> His first episode, he said, let's do this. And uh-huh. I was like... Boom. I love it. (laughs) That (laughs) works. So I have had a few people, you know, um, Home Depot has these like orange, I don't know, five gallon containers that say, let's do this. I've had people send me pictures and like shirts that say that, like this joke about it. Right, Um, It's clearly memorable, but that's where the, uh, the origin story is the time. Like I was really like, what is Pat Flynn doing? I'm going to copy that. Make it my there own. are
1: so many stories of, hey, why did you do that thing you did in the way that you did it? And often the answer is, oh, I just saw someone do it like that. <laughs> the rest is history. Mm-hmm. So these stories, these little moments, I'm glad we're capturing them because these are things that only you know and no one else does until you share. Yeah. Now that we've kind of gone backwards a little bit, a thing that most ambitious, multi-passionate entrepreneur types never do Let's go into present moment here. We're standing or sitting on Zoom in this moment in a conversation behind our microphones calling in number 300. And here's a question that maybe you ask yourself daily, maybe weekly, maybe monthly, maybe never, but I'm going to ask it right now to you, which is what are you proud of yourself for now being at episode 300? Whether that's related to the podcast, your business in general, your personal life, just What are you proud of robbie samuels for because we're at a milestone
0: well related to the podcast i'm proud of the fact that i kept going Uh, as i alluded in the intro of this episode uh i did reach 100 and two years in and i i by that point had developed a whole new episode uh show that i was excited about and had done a lot of research on had even gone and trademarked the name which is not a thing I've done before. And I met with a coach who helped me realize that, you know, it was sort of like, I couldn't picture what came next with my business and with my show. yeah. And I was ready to do the parts that I knew, which was the beginning parts. Mm. And so I actually abandoned that second show, committed to continuing with this one. And even when the pandemic was hitting and I had no money, my business was shutting down, I mean, everything was based on in-person, I basically had said to my wife, like, you know, I'm going to keep doing, like, this is a thing I'm committed to doing. I'm going to figure it out. And I, there are costs associated with doing this. And yeah. I just, I didn't know what else was going to happen, but the relationships that I build, the the content I'm able to create, the knowledge that I gain, I just wasn't willing to give it up, even though I had to, you know, dig deep to find the the funding. And related to that moment in in March, 2020, you know, the fact that I had to reinvent myself and find a new way to share value in the world, which became my mantra, show up and add value. I mean, the fact that that has turned into a a multi six-figure business that is sustainable, um, sustainable—you know, this is like a gift. It's such a gift. And I feel incredibly privileged. I've worked really, really hard (laughs) to get to this point. I mean, in 2020, I took two days off after April. I took off Father's Day and Thanksgiving. And I worked Mm -hmm. every other day through the end of the year i mean it was just uh it was pretty intense um to get things up and going and then mid 2021 i had this moment looking at my bank account called my wife over and i was like uh we realized we had the money for a down payment which is had been like a kind of far off dream right and that led to six weeks later we packed up our house and moved to the philly suburbs uh, with the intention to get to know the area and figure out where we'd like to live and then buy a house in seven weeks. After that, we moved into the house that we're living in now. So it all was possible because of how I acted and reacted in those first few months in March, April, May, June of 2020. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons why that all worked out. And there's a lot of ways in which the skills that I acquired prior to the pandemic were really well, uh, like a good fit for what people needed. I didn't know that. And I hadn't really valued those skills like online facilitation is a skill I have and emceeing that I hadn't put any value in and hadn't discussed and I'd never named but uh I just was like I have to bring people together this is what we need this is what I know how to do I'm a convener and there's a lot of power in that so let's just do that and that's why I hosted the first virtual happy hour March 13th 2020 was just like a reaction um not an intention it wasn't a let's build something new it was just 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 do something right now when everything
1: is so unknown, unpredictable, foreign, scary, the fact that you leaned into this constant and this commitment of weekly, I will be creating a podcast episode. I think that's bold and also beautiful that, is that a soap opera, The Bold and the Beautiful? Did I just say that? I think doesn't matter. I still think it's a bold and a beautiful move. That you kept the constant of the podcast and wrapped around it this virtual happy hour which again as you say it wasn't this is a business move it's hey i just looked outside the world is ending anybody want to come over to my zoom house and we'll just maybe have a snack (laughs) so congratulations on what in the beginning was well i'll keep doing these consistent things and has not only grown your business to a beautiful level but Your family is in a completely different chapter of their lives. And I just am glad that we are capturing this on the microphones, because you got a lot of future episodes coming and the story will be even more awesome by then. Now, anything coming to mind as I say this to you, what are you going to miss about the first 300 episodes as you head into the next ones into the 300s. Does anything come up as I say that? What are you going to miss about the first 300 episodes?
0: Well, sometimes I have regret around the fact that I can't have guests back. I've only had, I think, three guests return. Yeah, And it's been people who subsequently wrote a book about networking, Um, so, you know, the first time they came in the show, it was really focusing on their journey. And the second time it was about their book around networking. And I felt like that was an exception to my, my one-time rule that I felt comfortable about. But there are moments where friends are just doing exciting things, launching books, etc. um, that I want to celebrate them, but this I've sort of set it up so that I can't. And part of the reason I can't is that there's only 50 slots a year, which I know to someone who's just starting a show, like I remember back when I was like, oh, 50 people, how am I going to find 50 interesting people? You and I both know like, that's that's an afternoon. Like that's not a big deal yeah. at all. So really yeah. it's hard for me to be as selective as I am and also open to new names, new people, new audiences, new interesting um, people to, to showcase. And I think you know that when I started the show, every other guest was a woman. And that was my... I'm gonna call it like parody attempt. Um, you know, just trying to bare minimum have some balance yeah. because when I look at a lot of other comparable shows, there'd be like you know out of ten maybe one or two women um, yeah. were guests and often male hosts. That's that's sort of the the problem, <laughs> the default setting. So I wanted to disrupt that. i found out within the first year that people women were referring to this as a business show for women like this was a show that they were really drawn to so a year and a half in when my ideal client for my coaching practice quickly got clear clear about the fact that this was an ideal client was an entrepreneurial woman in her 50s and beyond who was looking to grow her impact and income through some kind of new revenue stream yeah i decided to go even deeper into that. And so two out of three guests are women. And so there's really only about maybe 14 spots a year for dudes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. So the dudes we've interviewed, <laughs> sometimes that's actually what my assistant and I were like, oh, we need a dude. Who's the dude we're going to interview? Like, yeah, they're pretty exceptional men um, yeah. because they have to fit into one of those 14 spots and um it's not just they wrote a book it's not just that they're like a big name like i they have to have an interesting story and i think by default most of the women that i know who've done exceptional things in the world and this includes people of color um anyone who's a sort of like any kind of minority status around like gender sexuality um ethnicity race etc they have an interesting story (laughs) built into the fact that they've been successful. Like when you walk on a plane, you see there's two pilots and both of them are African-American and one's a woman. That's Mm. an interesting story. I don't don't know anything else about it. I know that for them to be in that place right there in their career together, like they had an interesting story because they have survived a lot of uh, being the only or having to be, you know, exceptional or being like treated as exceptional because of their, like whatever, like they have a story and I, Think that's the thing I'm craving most for my shows, and so when my guests have a little more excitement in their story, and I don't have the way to share it, but that's also why I do Follow Friday on my LinkedIn and Facebook. Yeah. that's been sort of my workaround. Is I'll like right. use that to call out people that I I appreciated who've been on my show, or sometimes people who have not yet been on my show. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, I was always a balance. Like I'm mm-hmm. always trying, trying to figure out the right people and the right stories to tell. Um. But some of the favorite episodes, my my um, VA every year does her, her top ten for one of our pod um, one of our emails over the holidays yeah. is uh, is pay as top ten, and huh. I remember one of her top ten was someone who had so little online presence that we couldn't find a bio or a photo other than the one she okay. gave us. Yeah. So, but she was a great interview, and I love that we gave that platform to her. And my VA like since it's connect with her and like they're they're still in touch they talk they're you know this woman is very easy to connect with because she doesn't have a huge following um, so that's cool to me that I'm able to use my platform in that way and then on the other extreme is I invited Seth Godin he said yes and I interviewed him right so like these things are kind of what's been cool in the last 300 and I'm hoping for more of the same.
1: We're about to turn into the future now. We've done a bit of a look back. We're talking about real time. Now we're gonna drive towards the sunset together. (laughs) Or I guess the sunrise, depends how you look at it. Though you, being a master of things like business relationship building and networking, you have this fixed way in which you can allocate time for guests and who that is. But aside from the podcast, what are some ways that people have caught your attention? Because I think whether it's networking or relationship building, whatever the buzzwords are, each of us have a way that people sort of stand out to us or catch our attention, whether they're trying to be our guest or just become a friend of ours. What stands out to you
0: of people that you go,
1: huh, who is this
0: person? Well, you know, I I think of our, our life like being on a stage. We are the main character in our own play which is yeah. a blessing and also sometimes our downfall because we imagine ourselves being the main character in other people's play and we're not. <laughs> <laughs> we're only the main character in our own play. Right. And on stage with us are our closest friends. Now the cool thing about this is they didn't start out being our closest friends. Like they started out being strangers. And over time, they became such an integral part of our life that they're always somewhere on stage with us. Like, even if we don't talk to them for a while, like, it's really easy to, like, pull them back into the story. So always kind of curious to me when someone sort of pops up and suddenly I realize that they become a fixture on my stage. Like, they, they are now a person that I expect to have that rapport with, that I don't have to start from scratch with. And I think part of what I've loved in the last two years... Two, two and a half years, I guess, is I've had actually an increase in the number of people who have sort of become bigger part of my life and had deeper connections. And I would say, compared that to the five years prior, and it's not like the five years prior, I was a hermit, the five years prior, I was out living life, building my global network and, and you know, doing everything I could to be seen, heard and, and listened to. Right. Um, but- something has changed. And that is partly that we now have the ability to more regularly stay in touch. We're not just waiting for the next conference to see each other. We're connecting weekly on my, my, um, virtual happy hour or some other, cause I host lots of different <laughs> virtual happy hours these yeah. days. So, you know, some networking thing that I'm hosting, we meet with regularly, maybe once a month. Um, there's just more opportunities to like engage and that like repeat exposure is part of what breaks down um the barrier between stranger and friend and so i feel really honored like the people i've gotten to know um your story in particular does stand out because i didn't know really who you were other than like vaguely a name that i'd seen in a facebook group yeah and I wasn't paying a ton of attention to you or really what was going on in the Facebook group when you sent me a video message to introduce me to someone you thought I should get to know. And I think that I had someone else do an introduction to the same person just before that. And I hadn't, I was so busy, I hadn't gotten back. And there was something about, you know, two different people suggesting this connection. Your video message was so compelling. I like, couldn't not respond. And that got me a little curious about, well, who who is this person who just made this perfect match? And so that's when you introduced me to Jan Kek. And I've right. introduced, uh, introduced uh, Jan as well and been on his show. And he's been on my show. Um, I Yeah, I think I've got him on here. So Jan Kek was episode 239. Um, so it's just like that giving. Like I think the fact that you sort of gave in such a thoughtful and precise way um, stood out. Right, like that. I, I've already told you that. Like, I feel like you jumped through several early, like steps <laughs> by doing right. that move. It was like super pyro move. It was such a powerful a way to get known. <laughs> but it wasn't just that one time. I feel like it's like every time I've crossed paths at you, and it's always been virtual. We've not yet met. Um, that has it's always been memorable and something I look forward to both. So. It's it's a I think that's what I love about all this is I've had all these like quality connections. And by the way, Toronto is on my like I want to go to Toronto next year. I plan I'm I'm thinking maybe just a weekend getaway for just me. But yeah. like part of it's that I know you and other really awesome people in Toronto and I'm like yeah. ah once we can actually travel across the border like that right. is a thing I really want to have happen. Um and it's not going to feel weird. Like the people I'm going to see are going to be friends not people I'm like, oh, wow, I've never actually met you. Like that's (laughs) the cool thing that I can pull from this extraordinary circumstances that we found ourselves in the last two and a half years.
1: Well, thanks for the reflection there in the story, because it's fun to hear who gets your attention, why it's fun to be part of that community. And not just for me, but I think it's a fascinating topic, especially for someone like yourself, who's hundreds of episodes into your podcast who's known for networking and relationship building. It's what catches our attention? What stands out to us? And I believe Robbie Samuels has a question.
0: Go ahead, Robbie. Well, I just wanted to say that as a podcast host, I get pitched dozens of guest suggestions, um, like almost daily, like weekly. And what doesn't get my attention (laughs) (laughs) and gets me like just to skip over is the um people who really have never listened to the show have no idea that it's about um a conversation about your journey i'm not inviting you to come talk about your book i'm not inviting you to come talk about sales or whatever the widgety thing is and um and and that i emphasize like having um diversity of perspectives on my show and so you know, there's just the people who don't know any of that and don't acknowledge any of that. I'm like, uh, so if they're part of a podcast placement firm, I actually have a whole email. I send them to explain my philosophy and And that often has led to some really great guests that they end up suggesting once they realize like, you know, who they should really push forward, not just everybody. But, um, but yeah, if you're trying to get the attention of a podcast host, who has got a couple of hundred episodes. Like, do a little homework. I mean, maybe if they're under 100 episodes, they're willing to just like take people in. They still haven't figured out whether they have enough guests to invite. Right. But I think it's always worthwhile to do the a touch of homework, to know what they're about. Um, the best uh, introductions have probably been ones where people have introduced me to someone that they thought would be a good guest because they're a listener. To me, that's the best thing in the world. They're like, I listen to your show and I love it. And I think XYZ person would be a great fit. Here's why. Oh, totally gonna pay attention because they're a listener. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna honor and respect that. Whether I end up inviting the person or not, like that's gonna be a great conversation with a listener. So if you really want to be on a show, listen to it and or find a person who's a listener and have them help you get pitched onto the show in a more thoughtful way.
1: And it's also a lot of fun to ask yourself the question of what's the way that I can engage this person that maybe they've never been engaged before in this way. Mm-hmm. Now we right now are looking into the future, whether it's guests who pitch themselves poorly towards you or it's the best people ever, who are the kinds of people you're really excited to be in conversation with during the three hundreds? Because next up is three Oh one a, a, I'm excited to know. And B, I think listeners can then also think of, oh, maybe they know some people or they can make some introductions or they can send folks your direction of, you'd be a perfect person for the 300s
0: of On The Schmooze. Um, First, I want to acknowledge, since we're on video and no one else is seeing this, you are doing mirroring perfectly. (laughs) As you're talking about the past and the future and you're pointing, you're pointing correctly. And I just deeply appreciate that. (laughs) As a Thank you very much. producer, watch this one.
1: I'm about to go west <laughs> and even... east.
0: <laughs> so part of it, the next 100 episodes is um, I have these moments. Uh, my my three hundred and first guest is actually one of these where it's someone I'm like, of course, I've already interviewed them. And yeah. then I go and look and I realize I haven't. <laughs> so Fei Wu is going to be my guest for 301, and she's someone that I have admired for years. And I have got to know, and I like her. And she's super smart on a lot of topics that I think would be really relevant to my audience. And she's got a great story about how she came to be, you know, who she is today. And I, I think I have these, I want to say, blind spots. But there's a way in which I assume that any cool person I met in the last five years that I've already interviewed them. So I'm gonna actually be spending some time with my assistant to make sure that there's some truth to that. And I'm gonna be using my LinkedIn list because I'm about to go through my LinkedIn list again to, um, to find people to connect with around the work that I do. But one of the lenses that I'll be using is looking for guests to invite over the next 100 episodes. Because I do feel there are probably dozens of people that fall into that category of, oops, thought we already did this. And her response was, oh, I thought we'd already interviewed you as well. Right. <laughs> so I got involved in <laughs> her show, um, right? Because like that happens when you, when you're this yeah. far in, you don't remember right. every single episode, every single interview as detailed as you'd like to have it. Right. You,
1: you know, when they say, welcome back. And you're like, never been here. That's, that's the cue.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a big piece of it. And then I do have a, a long list of prospects that I've been tracking, some that have been pitched to me that I thought I'd keep an eye on some, you know, as I meet people, I throw them on there. And so, um, yeah, just constantly reviewing and reflecting on that. Some of those names are from years ago and I probably should just drop them at this point, but I just often, I'm like, Oh, this, you know, at some point they caught my eye. Um, and I, you know, want to bring them on. I actually have someone who was the first attorney for Etsy who's going to be 302 Sarah Feingold Mm -hmm. and, um, that was just seemed like a really cool story. She was a creator. She's a she's a l- attorney who had a creative sort of part of her life. And then she sort of got on Etsy when it was brand new, realized they had some issues of how they were set up <laughs> and oh. basically wrote them or contacted them or went to them. I can't remember what the story was, but she was like, I could help you actually figure this out. And then of course Etsy became Etsy. Um and Amazing. it wasn't, it was just this little, like, uh, you know, hobby space. And right. she kind of became their first attorney. And I, I, to me, like I'm the, my ideal, uh, guests have a story to tell. That's something different. I think I often think of myself as a sort of like how I built this, you know, the NPR podcast. Yeah, I want to know the a little behind the scenes, but it's not just the, how I built this as in the product. It's like how I became who I am today about the leadership journey, the entrepreneurial journey. I love that I ask my opening question goes deep into the the early parts of someone's childhood because it part of the reason I do that is that it changes the tenor of the conversation because they come in with their talking points, particularly people who've been, you know, well rehearsed on how to do, you know, guest spots and how to be right. a guest expert. Which now my guests are more and more falling to that category. Yeah. They come in with their their rehearsed um, lines, and then I ask them a question they hadn't been asked before, and they go into storytelling, and it flips something in their head, and they go into storytelling mode, and their mood eases. They start laughing about those funny moments and this teacher that they remember or the thing that the parent told them or something that happened on the playground. And then I'm now getting to tell me more about who they are in the world in a different way. We'll eventually get their talking points. They'll eventually share their book. That'll all come, come to light. They can always share the links at the end. But I think people are getting much more interested in checking out whatever they're doing in the world because of how they've shared and the connections people have with them. Some of my most memorable episodes early on, uh, I had a guest who is, um, I'm now I would use the term highly sensitive because HSP is now part of my vocabulary. Yeah. But she's a, a very strongly identifies as an introvert and that's what she writes and speaks about. But she wouldn't even turn her camera on and I lived in the same area as her <laughs> and we mm. never met. Um but the way she talked about her journey and how she, you know what she dealt with as an introvert people really resonated with that message because I think I think that's powerful that you see someone who's successful, but you don't understand how they got there. And you don't realize that some of the challenges they face are the challenges you're facing, like people can take so much from those stories, apply it to their own life and see success from it. That's the people I want to learn from Um, people who, who can tell me something interesting about how they became who they are today and give our guests, uh, our listeners, somebody to like learn from and, and be inspired by.
1: What a sweet way to sort of think back about guests already, and then cast ahead into the ones you're about to meet and have conversations with. And and this is where we will ask you a final question here on episode 300. And I don't know how far you're going to take this podcast, but let's imagine for a moment that we're going to at least episode 400. And so right now you are Robbie 300. <laughs> you're not Robbie 000 anymore. You are Robbie 300. I want you to wrap up this conversation with giving a little message to Robbie 400 because it'll be fun to sort of make a time capsule out of this whole episode for yourself to someday, you know, be drinking some seltzer on some patio and you're listening back to once upon a time episodes like this one. And if it is episode 400 and you're playing episode 300 right beforehand, what would you love to say now that future Robbie hears then. And if I just lost you in the time warp, feel free to ask for clarification on this final question.
0: <laughs> That's two years from now. But I do 50 episodes a year, more or less. Uh, so I, what's interesting about this question and I'm kind of challenging is how it's a much further out time horizon than I've allowed myself in the last two years. So mm-hmm. in 2020, you couldn't even look three months out. Yeah. So you're really just doing a couple weeks at a time for most of 2020, especially the first half of the, the first uh, six months of the pandemic. And then it got to the point where like, I could actually make plans for six months from now and feel like pretty confident that they were gonna happen. Right. And now I'm starting to think about a year from now, you know, where I wanna be and what I wanna be doing. But to like think two years out feels a little challenging because I know that I make plans and life happens. <laughs> um yeah. So I, I think what I wish for most is that I will continue to find ways to add value in the world and be able to respond to the moment and what's needed and to call upon the skills and expertise that I've acquired through effort to help me do that. And that I not face a brick wall that I can't overcome and that I share what I'm learning along the way with the people who care about me both so they can witness my challenges and support me through them, but also that when I have something worth celebrating, you get to celebrate with people who witness your challenges. Like if you never share what's been difficult in your road, then there really aren't people there to witness your success along the road. And so, you know, episode 400, I hope I'm still doing a ton of virtual events and programming. I love this platform. I love what's possible you know i'm already thinking a lot now about purpose first design quality online facilitation and how that leads to intentional engagement we're way beyond the basics of knowing how to mute and unmute people and how to just open up breakout rooms it's beyond that we you know we've got to keep excelling i have no idea what will be important on this conversation 2 years from now cuz we'll be yeah. building on everything we learned in those time but i hope we keep sort of pushing what's possible um, and, and creating a better and better experience for people who come to these virtual gatherings. And I'm also excited to be getting back into in person, where I have clients like Feeding America, who now have three in person events happening this year. And I've been working with them since 2020 on their virtual programming. And I said, hey, pre pandemic, I was all about in person and teaching people how to network at conferences. And that's my book, and that's my TEDx, and that was my talk, et cetera, et cetera. So, They have had me meeting with every single session to help the session design the flow and the engagement. And for me to help them think about how to help participants engage before, during and after the session so that they have an easier time navigating the vibrant chaotic hallway. And this is something that I was excited about doing pre-pandemic, but I feel it's even more necessary now as we're just emerging back to the in real life mode and we're just out of practice. So I love that I get to, you know, be focusing on relationships in so many different formats. And of course, the part around coaching entrepreneurs or on building their own audiences, to me, relationships, are the through line, um, relationship are the answer to every business and life challenge. And I kind of can't put a quite my finger on what life will look like, but I see success. I see a lot of work ahead <laughs> and I see a lot of beautiful outcomes, most of those being the relationships that I I make between now and then.
1: This has been episode 300 of On the Schmooze. I'm honored to have been invited to host Robbie Samuels on episode 300, hosted typically by Robbie Samuels. So congrats on this milestone. I look forward to all the episodes ahead. And this has been a wonderful
0: moment in time. Blake, thank you. You were the perfect host for this moment. Appreciate you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Blake. What an amazing thing to witness what we've all created together this last few years. What was your key takeaway? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Maybe it was my message around how important it is to be consistent in what we create. I'd love you to share what resonates with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 300. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as all the archived episodes. Reach out and let me know which were your favorite interviews. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with that one friend you know would love to hear it. Subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review. Thank you in advance. And I'll look forward to connecting with you again next week. And I'll be interviewing another talented professional who's achieved success in their field or industry. I'll ask probing questions to get them to share untold stories about their leadership journey and how they built and sustained their professional network. Until then, have an amazing week.